All right, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we're the Common Denominators. I think we're all excited tonight because everybody's here. So for going around the table here for the, uh, the listeners that like to visualize, we've got to my left, Daniel Knox. Hello. Kyle Binkley is really out of place. Have you ever said that before, no, Kyle? No, I'm freaking out. I yeah. don't know if I'm it's, supposed to be hosting. I don't know what's it's going supposed on. to be Lance. Yeah, but, it's uh, supposed to be Lance. He's close to me though. So we've got Adam uh, sitting across the way as usual. My eye candy, and uh, to my right, <laughs> we've got uh, Lance Jones. Hey-o. So one of the uh, things that we are uh, excited about the second ever Common Denominators Corporate Retreat. <laughs> yes, it's a fancy name for a cabin trip. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. we've got, I've had some questions uh, even recently. One of my buddies. Uh, I don't know why, but he's just now listened to the fourth episode, but he's listened to everyone after. He just goes in some real random order. <laughs> we don't know why. That's the but Pet Peeves episode, right? The Pet Peeves episode. He loved it. And so uh, just to let everybody know our wives are going to be joining us again. We don't know uh, the full amount of what the episode is going to be about, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to have them with us. Yep. All right, so i got to start you guys off with a question. This is one that we have asked ourselves, and I know that we've been asked by others. I don't know if it's a, an easy uh, question or a hard one, but I'll let you guys uh, take a stab at it. We get a lot of people that say, what in the world is your podcast about? Like, what's the overall theme? And uh, someone recently asked me, uh, you know, or they noticed, I would say, that we jump around a lot from uh, juvenile uh, shenanigans that we really? should be embarrassed to talk about. I know. <laughs> to, it seems very consistent <laughs> at this point. <laughs> what could that be? We always try to sneak that in. Two, sometimes we have more serious topics, and then uh, maybe the more awkward ones are the ones where we fit in both. <laughs> yeah. So uh, for those that wonder that, what would your, how would you explain that? Well, I think we've always been upfront about our whole goal of this podcast was to bring what we do as a group of friends to the airwaves. So to me, that is exactly what we've done so far, because there are times we've had conversations literally about the stupidest that turn into the funniest things in the world, a la bathroom etiquette, driving etiquette, those kind of episodes where we're just completely being kind of goofy and fun and just laughing in our group. That's kind of where our random funny episodes come from. But we also have those conversations that that are a little bit more serious that, you know, things we've dealt with, like infertility and what we're going to talk about with Lance tonight. Um, We also have those conversations with each other. We try to be inspirational, try to lift each other up, I think, a lot when we're not completely ragging on each other. Episodes like John and and Travis, where we talk to guys like that that are inspirational, we hope we bring that out uh, to you guys. Like, here's some inspiring guys that we look up to that we're friends with that that have a lot to say and lives are very inspirational. So, you know, I kind of think that's, in a nutshell, our podcast is random because we're just some random normal guys that have conversations from anything from bathroom humor to talking to uh, to Cameron about infant loss. We hope on those Mondays, the ones that you get a serious episode that we can touch somebody's heart and maybe help you realize that you're not alone in whatever your struggles are or those weeks that we come out with something kind of fun and silly that we, we give you a laugh for Monday morning. So the answer to that question is, it's random. We're just random. We don't know what we're going to talk about a lot of times, and we don't know what we're going to talk about when I pick up the phone when you're calling. That's kind of what we want to get across on the airwaves. So. Purposefully random. Yep. Yeah, somebody was asking the other day, too, about our episode, how we pick them, and we honestly have a huge list of ideas that are 
put on there at random times. Sometimes uh, we've got a recording tomorrow, and we're like, oh, crap, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> it's Halloween. Mailbag issue. Yeah, yeah, let's put something together. <laughs> yeah. Mailbag. Yeah. Mailbag. <laughs> Perfect example. And then other times, uh, like tonight, we've got an episode that we've had on the calendar for a while. We knew that we wanted to do this, and it's something that uh, is really important uh, to all of us in the room, uh, especially uh, for Lance and for Timmy. And so most people have never heard of the disease pulmonary hypertension, or maybe if they've heard of it, you have no idea what it is. I, I, I sure didn't, and we'll find out. Uh, the answer to that uh, in a few minutes. But I'm sure even less people realize that November is uh, Pulmonary Hypertension Awareness Month. And so um, we want to take tonight, our very own Lance Jones over here is our special guest tonight. And so he's just going to share with us uh, about pulmonary hypertension and uh, his amazing son, Jackson's story. Uh, if, for those that know Jackson, you know him as Jackson's journey. He's going to lead us through that story uh, this episode. All right, so Lance, um, you know, it's hard for us to fathom. We all know Jackson, and uh, he's basically like a little mini celebrity. He's got, didn't you say, like eight or 900 like social media followers? Yeah, I think about 800, so way more than uh, I'll ever have. So we, we need to hire him for like some, some publicist yeah. work. <laughs> He's doing some things right. Yeah, yeah. but it's it's funny because I, I obviously we've got a lot of listeners who uh, you know maybe have heard you mention Jackson's name before, but they've never met him, don't know uh, anything about his story. So maybe just start out, just describe to us, you know, give us his age, uh, what he looks like, maybe his his hobbies, what's he into. Yeah, so Jackson, he's three years old. His birthday is uh, July 28th. That's when he'll be four. And uh, he's just an adventurous kid. Uh, he, he likes to do anything outside. Uh, he's he's always just laughing or joking about something. And recently he's kind of started to even manipulate uh, us a little bit so he can get away with stuff inside the house. Mm. Uh, so he's kind of become a little bit of a trickster. Uh, he likes construction equipment. He goes to the gym a lot uh, with uh, my wife. And he has a lot of friends that he plays with there, and he just. What does he bench? Is what I want. <laughs> yeah. What's he bench? Bro? <laughs> What's his latest max? <laughs> he's still working on that. I think he's got. A, he's working on a snatch game now, so maybe maybe he'll go to the bench later. But um, no, he's just he's just a fun, loving kid. He loves puzzles. He loves watching cartoons and playing Legos and getting on his iPad, and just super smart kid. Never stops. Whenever I'm around, he's moving. Yeah, he's on the move. Yeah, yeah, it's fast. He's always talking about something, um, and he he loves his uh, baby sister. Uh, they're like best friends now. So basically, he's a normal, for all intents and purposes. When you look at him, he's as normal as the day is long. Tell us what's really going on with Jackson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you you look at Jackson, and he's completely normal. You wouldn't think anything was wrong with him, but. Um, in reality, he's you know fighting for his life. Like on the inside, as dramatic as that sounds, it's, it's not really an exaggeration. So he has what's called pulmonary arterial hypertension, and you know raise your hand if if you had ever heard of that before, Jackson. I haven't heard of it, or I did not know about it, and to an extent, kind of wish I still didn't know about yeah. it. But you know, unfortunately. Uh, that is what he has. It is a it's a rare disease. You know, it, it, it's also a progressive disease, and it has no cure. Um, without treatment, the average lifespan of someone with pulmonary hypertension is 2.8 years. So, 
not great when you look at it on paper. Um, so a, a quick segue, uh, I, I gave the guys a, a straw before we started uh, the show here. So if everybody can get your straw and audience members, if you want to follow along at home, uh, all you need is a straw. And what we're going to do is um, if you have a straw, go ahead and, and put it in your mouth. And then you're actually going to close your nostrils. So just hold your nostrils <laughs> tight. Good and yeah. for for a minute, just breathe through that straw. So y'all look pretty funny right now doing this. But um, okay, so you're about 10 seconds in right now. But basically, this is what the experience of someone with pulmonary hypertension is. This is the way that supposedly it feels like for them to breathe like every minute of the day if they have pulmonary hypertension. Doing great, guys. You're 25 seconds in now, just a little bit longer. So pulmonary hypertension, you've, everybody's probably heard of hypertension, which is high blood pressure, uh, but pulmonary, um, I think means lung. So it's basically high blood pressure in the lungs. So what that means is 42 seconds in, guys, 18 seconds to go. <laughs> I can't I can't go on. <laughs> so um, essentially, um, okay, 10 seconds, you guys are almost there. So high blood pressure in the lungs means that Jackson either has uh, narrow, blocked, or damaged blood vessels in his lungs. Oh, time. Gosh. You, you guys made it. So how, how did that feel? Terrible. It was awful. That's unreal. Running a marathon. So, yeah, that is supposed to be what it feels like to have pulmonary hypertension not not good so like I said what that means is high blood pressure in the lungs so that means that the blood vessels in your lungs are either uh, damaged uh, narrow or are blocked um, in Jackson's case we're not really you know they, they do scan so it's kind of hard to tell exactly like what it is without actually seeing inside but it's probably one of those three um, so because of that his heart actually works harder to pump blood um, through those uh, veins in his lungs. And I'm going to attempt to be a, a, a play a doctor on, on radio real quick. And so, you know, the, the heart, it pumps blood, and the heart and lungs kind of work together to carry, like, blood and oxygen throughout the body. So, and the heart is, you know, two halves, right, right side and left side. The heart's a muscle. So the left side is actually supposed to be the stronger side of the heart, which takes the oxygenated blood that has been the right side of the heart basically um, oxygenates the blood as it takes it to the lungs and then the left side after it comes back around or whatever the left side pushes it out to the rest of the body but the problem with people with pulmonary hypertension is is that the right side is pumping and working so hard to push that blood through the lungs that because it's a muscle it continues to grow and eventually kind of like overtakes that left side, which is not supposed to happen. And so, you know, it keeps pumping and pumping and his heart basically runs in a marathon pace. So eventually if your heart is pumping like that over time, the right side grows and the left side compresses and eventually it leads to heart failure. So that's why it's considered, you know, a, a terminal disease, so to speak. How long did it take you basically to discover? Was this something you knew from the beginning, or in the in the womb, or something you discovered after birth? How how did that? How did y'all exactly figure out this was a this was going on with Jackson? Yeah. So the crazy thing is that we didn't know it was going on with Jackson until he was like four months old. From you know, even when he was um, you know just growing in the womb, he was measuring small, but 
you know, that was the only only thing that was, you know, uh, I guess you could say a problem. But we didn't really think anything of it just because Timmy and I are small, so it right. wasn't really a big deal. But now he measured fine, um, and his birth went went fine too. And for about the first four months of his life, like everything was just perfect and and flawless. And then all of a sudden, we went to a uh, his four month just checkup appointment, and his pediatrician happened to hear a heart murmur, which is, um, uh, I think, just like it, basically they they hear like the uh, I guess the the heartbeat just kind of like is, is off or something. Yeah. So she heard that. And she knew my wife had kind of a history uh, with her heart, too. She had what's called like a leaky valve, uh, which you know, doesn't really mm-hmm. affect her very much. And my, my pediatrician was like, well, you know, given your wife's history, look, you know, you might want to go ahead and just get this checked out. So I said, okay, you know, not, not a big deal. So they referred us to a, a cardiologist, and um, we went to, you know, see about this. And Timmy had something going on at school, so I had to just take Jackson by myself. And... You know, I went to the cardiologist, and they hooked him up to all these, like, scanners and electrodes, and they were just, uh, you know, doing their due diligence, just checking out everything on him, making sure everything was normal. So they ran all their scans, and then uh, they went back to get the doctor who would kind of, like, give me the results of this. So I was just kind of expecting the doctor would kind of come back and, you know, say something like, oh, you know, he's got a leaky valve just like your wife, but, you know, it's nothing to worry about and go about your day. So he comes back and um, and he's he's I can just tell something's off, you know. He's he's asking me questions that I I'm just kind of just seem like dumb questions, like questions that he should know the answer to. He's like, so is he? You know, is he eating okay? Is he? You know, is drinking okay? And I'm like, yeah, of course he is. And um, then he kind of he pulls out like a diagram of a heart, and he goes on to tell me that um, you know. This is like the, the number of a the pressure inside uh, a normal person's like you know heart and lung, and I was like okay, and he said well Jackson's pressure is is about three times that amount, and I was like okay that that doesn't sound good, and um, he wanted us to go to uh, Vanderbilt immediately to have him seen overnight because they need to do a procedure on him in the next day to kind of accurately diagnose this because they can only do um, so much with. The, uh, the machines they had doing scans on them, so they had to kind of like go internally to actually um, ac- accurately diagnose this to make sure that it, it was in fact the, the pressures that the readings were accurate and everything. So, so, so let me just yeah. ask, after this visit, I mean, are you Jackson going home with you? You say, is Jackson going home with me? Yeah. Or did y'all go straight did to, y'all go, to Vanderbilt? Yeah, so the weird thing was, like I said, I, I was by myself, so I was kind of in the car. I think Timmy even called me on the way back, and she was like, hey, you know, everything go okay? I was like, yeah, 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 everything's fine. I'll, I'll tell you about when I get home. So it was kind of a lie because I didn't want to, like, necessarily tell her everything over the phone because it just didn't seem appropriate. Because at the time, I didn't really know how serious this was either, but I knew it It was pretty, pretty important if they were telling us to go to Vanderbilt overnight. So we go home and tell Timmy the story, and it was really difficult, and I think reality still hadn't set in. So we were kind of like getting packed up because I was like, we got to go to Vanderbilt. You know, we have to stay overnight. They want to do a procedure on Jackson in the morning. So then I get like a call from my pediatrician. She's like, hey, you know, they tell me you're not at Vanderbilt yet. And like so they were like really urging us and wanted us to be there like immediately. And I think that's when the severity of it, kind of hit me that okay this is this is pretty serious so yeah because at this point you haven't done any research yeah. you're just kind of along for the ride so yeah yeah so I, I really had no idea what was going to happen so we you know then packed 
my son in the car and uh, told my parents about it. And my mom and I think my mom and dad came over. My mom uh, rode to the hospital with me and Jackson. And Timmy, like I said, she was like at a school function. So I think after she finished, she rode up there like with my dad. That's when everybody finally got to the hospital and they checked Jackson in. They took him through the like ER triage. After all that was done, then they you know got us a room at Vanderbilt and um, we stayed there overnight. At this point, everything's happening so, like fast. Yeah. Kind of what what is your mindset? You're in Timmy's mindset at this point. Yeah, my mind is just kind of it just everything just kind of felt like a blur and and uh, things were just kind of almost going in slow motion a little bit and. Um, I and I guess at this point is Jackson like you you can't, it's not like you notice anything like yeah. he still looks normal yeah. acting normal doing everything he has been doing which I guess I mean, at four months he's not like up running around but right. active and acting like a normal everyday healthy baby that you could never notice anything was wrong with yeah him. yeah and he has no idea what's going on and uh, but yeah he's just he's just normal and I think we even had to stop feeding him at a certain point too because he was going to go through a surgery so when you whenever you have to have a surgery done you can't like eat after a certain amount of time because they um but there's adam knows about it (laughs) through the vasectomy yeah (laughs) yeah because i guess something could happen when you're under sedation um all that or whatever so everything was just kind of a blur um honestly like i there are fragments of it that i remember yeah Uh, i remember reaching out to timmy's sister's husband who is a pediatrician, and I was kind of like asking him about it. And he, he kind of knew a little bit about it too, but I don't think he realized at the time the severity of it. But, you know, I was talking with him, and he's like, oh, you know, it, you know, he'll still be able to run around, play basketball and all that. So, like, it kind of calmed my nerves a little yeah. bit. So I was just very, like, uh, unsure of, of how it was going to go, but I still felt like we're going to get to the hospital. They're going to figure out what's wrong with him. You know, they'll fix it. We'll be home in a day or two, you yeah. Know? So that was kind of like my mindset going into it. Yeah. Well, that's always kind of my thing too. It's like, okay, if somebody gives you any kind of diagnosis, it's like, okay, what's the treatment for it? Yeah. What, what's the follow up? How long is it going to take? When will he be back to normal? I mean, that's where you're at. I'm assuming at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and and all I knew at that point in time is that he was going. To, once we got to the hospital, we found out more about he's going to go under this thing called a heart catheterization, which a lot of times is just an outpatient procedure for for most folks. Uh, they might go on in the morning and they'll be out, you know, uh, late afternoon, early afternoon, something like that. So it's not really like a big deal. And with the heart cath, they, I guess they go in through some kind of like vein near the groin area and they literally go all the way up like this vein to your heart and they can measure like the pressures in like the valves of the heart by doing this. So they needed to do that to see if Jackson's pressures were indeed that high. So... Uh, he goes through the procedure the next morning, and this is, I think, December sixteenth uh, of two thousand sixteen. So we're like right around Christmas time too, and uh, I think he's gone for like maybe six, eight hours. And the whole time, I'm just like, you know, hoping that, you know, hoping and praying that everything's gonna be fine, and he'll wake up. I, I guess my worst fear is that like he's gonna die like during this procedure, because like I, you know, who know, who knows what could happen, you know? And I think the reality really set in when I um, had reached out to a guy at our church, uh, Trent, I had got his number like a week ago, and um, I think I started texting him that night. I was like, hey, you know, Jackson's got to go through this procedure the next day, and apparently it's pretty serious, and I think I need some prayers. And, like, I'm not really one to reach out to people for things like that, but it just started hitting me that, oh, my gosh, like, uh, this this is serious. 
And then it really got real when I think the next Sunday they had cards made for Jackson called like, you know, they, they just labeled them like prayers for Jackson. And when you finally see that, I mean, you, you see stuff like this all the time and you literally think it's, it's never going to happen to me. It's never going to happen to me. And then I saw my son's face in that card saying prayers for Jackson. And I was like, that's my son. Like mm. it happened to me. And I mean, they, the doctors basically described Jackson's condition as one in a million, which is always an awesome thing to hear. <laughs> yeah, really. So, but back to the heart cath. So they did it. And uh, I'm thinking, you know, maybe they can find something and repair it. Uh, but they, you know, did the heart cath and he was fine. Every, you know, and they took us down to the room afterward. Well, I say he was fine, but he, he made it out of the procedure basically. And uh, we go to the consultation with the doctor afterwards to kind of give us like a recap or a rundown of like how the surgery went. And um, I know Timmy said she would never forget the doctor's face when she saw him walk in the room because he just, he looked like really disheveled. Like he, like he had just, you know, been through it. And um, he just kind of went on to tell us like how, because at this point in time, we weren't really sure if it was something structurally wrong or if it was like a disease, like it was. And oddly enough, like I was hope, like, like my, my thought was, oh my God. Structurally, like, you can possibly fix it. Yeah, quick, but, but, easy but Band-Aid. I know, but that's, that's what I didn't want to happen for some reason. Cause I was like, I don't want him to go through another surgery. Mm-hmm. I was just hoping that they would be able to fix it at the time. So I was hoping they wouldn't say it was structurally and they didn't. They were like, you know, it's not structural. He's, you know, the doctor was like, he's just got like his inside is like very sick and they were they were amazed that he had even made it as far as he had made it like alive. Um, so the doctor was just really shook up and one kind of humorous moment happened where, uh, you know, he was talking about how, you know, Jackson was recovering the NICU and that he was basically trying to tell us that everything needed to go completely well for him to get out. Like, you know, everything had to be tip top shape basically. And he said, you know, we can't have any hiccups and, Jackson, like, as a kid, he had, like, he had hiccups a lot. And so when we heard that, we were, like, we thought the doctor was literally saying, like, Jackson cannot have hiccups or something <laughs> bad is going to happen right. to him. Yeah. And we're, like, whoa, 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 what, yeah. what about hiccups? We're, like, Jackson has hiccups. He's, like, no, 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 just, like, we can't have any hiccups. Is in, like, you know, yeah, right. yeah, figuratively. Um, so, so, yeah. So you, you mentioned, like, at, at some point the doctor, I guess, sat down, you and Timmy down and said that, he was surprised that he had, had lived this long. I yeah. mean, I just, what do you do with that? I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, how, what do you, how do you even respond? I mean, what? it's just, I mean, it's just shocking, and, but it's, it's shocking. You're kind of proud too, because you're like, yeah, darn right. He lived this long. That's my son. He's strong. And, um, so that's kind of like, uh, and it, and it got told to us over and over again while we were in the hospital, like doctors would kind of come by and they just wanted to come in and take a peek at him. They were like, you know, because it was around Christmas time, and apparently, like Jackson was one of the sickest kids that was in the hospital at that time. And they were kind of like talking about how he was like the miracle baby, um, because like when you look at his condition, like on on paper, like to a doctor, they would see like the numbers and everything like that, and be like, "There's no way this kid should be alive," kind of thing. So you know, they were just amazed that he had made it as far as he as he did. And, um, you know, they numerous times kind of promised uh, or, or they, they were basically saying that, you know, we can't promise you that Jackson is going to make it out of this stay because, like I said, 
normally with a heart cath, you're you're in and out. But with Jackson, because pulmonary hypertension affects like so much of your breathing and lungs and all that, they had to put in a breathing tube and all that when you're under sedation, which they would do for anybody. But for him, they were worried that as soon as they did something like that, his his lungs wouldn't stop like working on their own. And, you know, like once they pulled away the machines, they were worried that he would have like a quote unquote, they call it like a pulmonary hypertension crisis. And his, you know, his body would not start doing the work on its own and it might cause him to go into heart failure. So what we thought was going to be, you know, a couple nights stay and, and tur- turned into, I think we were there for 30, 31 days, something like that, which was heartbreaking for me and obviously my wife too. And the part that I always get stuck on is that, you know, going in, I was like, well, you know, as long as we get him home by Christmas, like, you know, that'll be fine. It'll be like, you know, a Christmas gift that, you know, we'll be getting our son home. And, you know, it just, you know, the days kept on going by and Jackson was still, they call it intubated when they had the breathing tube in him. So he was still intubated with the breathing tube. He was still like heavily sedated. Um, and you know, days kept on going by and they were just trying to get him to a state to where he was as healthy as possible to where they could remove the machines and feel confident that he would make it out of it. So now you're fighting a different battle. You're trying to get post-surgery back to not even normal, just back to a state to where you can, uh, they could assess what's going on with Jackson, basically see what is his well-being is post-surgery. Yeah, it's like we we didn't even know all this was going to be part of it. You know, we were it, it just it just turned into like you said, like a new battle. You know, and um, yeah, so that that was our, our goal then was to like to get him out of the hospital. And it's interesting being in the hospital and being around your family and friends and uh, having having support. And, and like I said, people came in from our church. They had a stocking made for Jackson, um, which is just. It was so touching to me, and um, you know he, that's where he celebrated Christmas. Like he yeah. celebrated Christmas just in a hospital bed, um, all swollen up from like medication. Um, he just didn't look like himself. It was heartbreaking, um, and I, 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 there's not too many worse feelings than seeing your son on a hospital bed and not being able to do a darn thing about it. Um, and but one thing that did help is. You know, just having like the village around you to support you, you know, family and friends, and it's interesting that the dynamics of, I guess, how you're feeling in the hospital. Like there were some days where I was up, like I was really positive, and then there were other days where Timmy was positive and I was super down. And my dad, he was always super positive about everything, but eventually, like everybody just kind of reaches like their breaking point. And, you know, my dad was always, like, super confident uh, and, and super positive about everything. And then as the time passed and Jackson was still sedated, still on the still on the bed, you could just tell it was, like, getting to him. And I could tell my dad was – he was teary-eyed. And, like, when you see your dad like that breaking down over your, over your child, like, it's uh, it's hard to explain. It's just, it's just a difficult thing to go through. Um, but, you know, you have your ups and downs as you're going through – as you're going through uh, your stay at the hospital and you know i wish i had <laughs> advice for people going through that kind of thing and the uh, only thing i can think to say is that you know you're you're stronger than you think you are um you really don't know what you can handle and, until you're thrown into a situation like that 
Yeah. I want to talk more about the the line you're on here, but I, I wanted to ask a couple questions. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but <clears throat> I think I've read or, or watched some of y'all's videos that you've done. So really and truly, the murmur ended up being a blessing. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, definitely, because... Kind of explain how that was the case. Yeah, um, you hear about SIDS a lot. It's called sudden infant death syndrome, and really they call it that because sometimes kids will just pass away like in their sleep and there's no explanation for it and they say oh it's SIDS and so let's say like Jackson we would not have discovered the heart murmur and his condition like he when we brought him to Vanderbilt they you know based based on some of the tests they ran on him like his heart was essentially in heart failure like he was in he was in bad shape and we had no idea so without our pediatrician actually hearing that murmur he could have passed away in his sleep and we would have been sitting here wondering like what, yeah. what happened? You just to gone it? on right. home and and not worried about going back to the doctor for another month or six weeks or whenever the next yeah. checkup yeah. was. And I mean, I could be sitting here now, telling a different story about yeah. like how I don't understand like why my son died. There's no explanation for it. Like I'd I'd be sitting here telling a different story if she had not heard that heart murmur. Yeah. And it was something about too. wasn't wasn't the murmur relieving like some of the pressure as well? Is that am I thinking right on that? Like, um, so. Jackson actually was born. Uh, this is kind of interesting. He uh, it's called an ASD. I think it's like a, a atrial or atrium septum defect. And what that is, it's a it's basically a hole in the heart, and it wor- was working as a pop off valve to release pressure, and it was um, allowing his heart to work not quite as hard. So he was actually born with kind of like his own pop off valve, and it kind of may have saved his life in a way the fact that he was born with that defect like he in a sense was designed to outlast this disease in my opinion yeah so yeah that's another little unique thing i know right (laughs) so without that hole that was in his heart it it could be a different scenario yeah yeah it could be a different story um yeah definitely and we don't we don't really know how much you know it helped him uh, but they, they think it, it I mean, it, it, was the, it was a doctor's opinion that yeah, they, he probably made it as far as he did because of that ASD mm-hmm. is what they call it. So at this point, y'all have gotten the diagnosis that it's pulmonary hypertension. So kind of take us to what's the next phase of, of y'all's life and kind of talk about, too, just briefly, what in the world is like your life, your and Timmy's life mm-hmm. has basically stopped for the last 31 days. Yeah. So kind of what, what is that dynamic? You know, you're obviously most concerned about your son, but, but y'all's life, your work life, your, your marriage life, what is that like for, for over a month trying to live in a hospital back and forth to kind of talk through that too? Yeah. So couple, couple things, and you, you may have to remind me on the questions. I'll try to go through it one by one here, but, um, Oh man, I, I, crap! I forgot what your first question was. Now, Good well, idea. just tell us what I, I mean. Too. What was it like being in the hospital? Yeah, for that length of time. Yeah, so the hospital stay um, really, really was awful. Some people had been there hundreds of days. Like I, I came across people that in the cafeteria, and I'd start talking to them, and find out that they'd been there for like hundreds of days. Like somebody that had almost been there for like a year. And so, in a sense, I guess you could say we almost got off easy only being there for 30 days. Are, are y'all staying there, Lance? Are you... See, that that's the that's the thing. They do have rooms there where you can stay. Be, Jackson was in the, uh, the, the PICU, pediatric ICU, and 
I don't know if you've ever really seen those rooms before. I know some of y'all visited us in the hospital, so I, th- I think you may have actually seen the inside. But it's not really like it's not like some of the other hospital rooms where there's like a nice little pullout. Well, I say nice, but it's not very comfortable. <laughs> there's like a you know a little recliner and a pullout little couch that you can sleep on. But um, it's it, it's not like that. There, it seems like there's a lot more machinery. Uh, like, like medical equipment, and it's just not quite as cozy. The focus so, is more on the patient than yeah. it is everybody else's yeah, comfort. Yeah, exactly. So they don't really allow you to sleep in the room. I think they probably would be okay with it, uh, but they would prefer that you, if depending on how close you live to the hospital, like if you live far away, they give those rooms to the people that live the far away. Uh, they like they give those uh, people preference on on rooms. Since we lived like within thirty miles, like we would have been last on the priority list. And because Jackson was sedated for most of the time, uh, it was kind of like told to us over and over again that like, hey, you guys need to keep like your strength up. You guys need to go home and get rest. So we would, I mean, it was almost like, it was almost like work, you know, like we would stay there all day and go home at night and come back in the morning. And, uh, you know, I would just always ask the nurse, you know, how was his night? Uh, we would get kind of like a, a checkup and I was always there for when the doctors would do their rounding in the morning. And that's another thing. It's like, if you're in a situation like that, you are the only one that's going to advocate for your child. So like be involved in those discussions when the doctors and nurses come around and do the rounding, like it's not going to bother them. Like I, I, you know, I try to listen into every conversation and try to translate what they were talking about and figure out like what the game plan was for Jackson, you know, that day. And they, they were very, very careful, very, I mean, very slow, but very methodical and careful about the way they, they cared for Jackson. And I, I appreciated that. Um, but it, you know, it did, it did take a while. Um, so yeah, uh, the hospital experience. I mean, we had people that would come in and bring us food, which was great. Um, but you know, we were pretty much there every day. We would just, you know, go home at night to actually rest up and get our so sleep. So you basically just push pause on your entire life for 30 days, 31 days or whatever. Yeah. My work, my work was like, you know, I, I had two of my managers come and actually visit us in the hospital and they were like, Hey, we're coming here to tell you like to just don't work. Like just, yep. you, you need to take care of you and your family. And, you know, we'll figure out work once, you know, once you're ready to come back. And, um, you know, my wife was a teacher at the time. So she basically, she was done teaching at that point in time. Um, and I, I don't think we really knew it, uh, but like that's, that kind of like ended her teaching career for the next, well, up until now, like she has not gone back, uh, to teaching because once we finally got Jackson home, he had to, uh, she had to basically become a, you know, full-time, uh, mom you know and nurse to jackson yeah so i guess talk kind of bridge that gap for us once once there's some stabilization in the hospital kind of what's the next phase of of getting jackson back awake and you know figuring out the next phase and getting home and what what life's basically like in the in phase two of this yeah so first phase like you mentioned kyle was getting jackson awake which meant uh extubating him which was taking the tube the breathing tube out and so that happened probably about three weeks after the heart cath. So we're talking like late December is when this happened. And um, when it happened, they, in preparation for it, they were they actually brought in like chaplains to the room. Um, they were basically preparing us for the worst. Like they were bringing chaplains in to pray with us. Like it was almost like they were really preparing us for 
Jackson may not make this, but he made it. You know, they took the tube out. He did great. And so from there, we were in the hospital for about another week or so. They eventually moved us out of the PICU and into like a, uh, a less severe floor. And, you know, from that time, it was kind of learning what we would have to do once we brought Jackson home. So a whole nother bunch of things that we didn't know we were getting ourselves into, learning about the different types of therapies Jackson would need and medicines he would need. So we kind of got brought up to speed, like on all that. And... Um, there was a nurse practitioner that, you know, still works with us. And she was kind of like our main person, our main go-to person for all of Jackson's medicines. And the first time I met her, I met her, I hated her. I hated her so much (laughs) because she was the one that actually like broke the news to us about the reality of pulmonary hypertension and Jackson's like prognosis. Like I didn't want to hear it. At this point, you've just been told, you've been given a name for what it is, but you didn't know what the meat behind what the name was like yeah. what this really was yeah and i and i was like you know and we, we eventually just kind of timmy's always one that she wants to ask like she, she really wants to get that final answer and me i'm someone who would rather i would just i just don't want to hear it like i just want right. to hope that things are going to be good and you know we eventually started talking about you know like like she's just basically like well how long is he going to live and you know i think the first thing she said to us was like you know he may live till he's seven or eight years old and I was like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. I was I was pissed. Yeah. I mean, I'm still angry at the whole thing. Talk about that a little bit because I think that's a huge deal. Yeah. You, you basically bring what you think is a perfectly fine child in for a well check. Yeah. And now you're standing with chaplains in your room. They're basically there for your son to possibly die. Uh, it's 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 just unexplainable. You know, I, I still I have anger. Timmy Timmy handles it much better than I do, but I'm still. It's not like a oh woe is me. Like oh why did this happen to me? Like I'm just I'm just angry. I'm just like you know like Jackson should not have to go through this. Nobody should have to go through this. This is just a terrible disease and it sucks. Like and and there's not a lot of good treatment options for it. So yeah, I mean we you know we we cried. We you know we're just I was mad pretty much all the time but I was still trying to keep my spirits up because I was like you know you know Jackson Jackson needs me Timmy needs me everybody needs me so I was mad on the inside but I stayed strong and and when I was in the hospital it's probably the closest I've ever felt to God because I've never been in a situation where you felt like that's all you have and like that's what it was it was like everything's completely out of my control all I want is my son to live and all I felt like I had was God to rely on. So it's like the closest I've ever been to God. The closest um, and the maddest probably. Yeah, closest yeah. and maddest. And I was I was leading prayers, like I was doing all kinds of stuff. Like I was praying to whatever God would listen to just save my son. Like that's all I wanted. Like I just wanted him to be healed and to be healthy. But now as we've, you know, gotten Jackson home and he's living like more of a normal life, I'm more distant probably from God because I'm still pissed off that he's having to go through this. Uh, but it's crazy how a situation like this will bring you through all those emotions and bring you close to God in, in a situation like that. You mentioned that you're in the room with the chaplains. He comes out of it. What happens then? Yeah, so we go to the low, to, to the uh, floor where it's like um, they're kind of like getting ready for discharge, basically. But we're kind of like learning how to give his medicine, and he's got. I, I think I think when we, you know, now he probably takes about four to five 
medications twice a day. Uh, but when we first left the hospital, he was probably taking like double that because some of it was medicine to help him uh, with coming off the sedation. Um, and I think they gave him like methadone because he was on some kind of like, um, I forget what it was, like like pain medicine or something like that. So he was on like all kinds of medications that you would never think you would give to like a child, but it was like to wean him off of certain things we had to give him medicines and eventually some of those medicines dropped and some remained so we're learning like all about pulmonary hypertension like while we're on this floor and that's kind of where we learn about the different therapies that you know you have to do with this with this disease because there's no cure for it so one of them is like oxygen therapy and that's where you know you can see like people will have like uh like a cannula like around their um around their ears uh, with going in their nostrils and that's one way to treat it and that you know oxygen just you know i, I mean i guess kind of goes without saying it just makes it easier on your heart a little bit uh it, it, it helps the saturation levels in your body and uh, that's one treatment option and he's also on sildenafil which is actually like viagra which is kind of like a crazy thing you wouldn't think of um, apparently, I guess it, it's a, they call it a vasodilator, which just, I guess it, it, you know, helps widen those, those vessels or veins or whatever. So he's on that oddly enough. And the, um, other thing that was the, probably the biggest hurdle for us to learn while we were in there, uh, is called remodulin. And that is, if you see Jackson, he's either got a kind of like a, it looks like a, almost like a, a cell phone case or a uh, like a fan. I thought it was a beeper. Yeah. Do, do what? Like a little insulin pump. Yeah. yeah, I thought yeah. it was a beeper the first time I saw. It. <laughs> yeah, and I was and really jealous. And it's the same. He's and got it's a the, schedule, man. He's yeah, gotta, yeah. Gotta keep yeah. It. And it's actually administered like the same way that some of the insulin is. It's like you'll 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 see a kind of like a button on the outside of his skin, and underneath the button is a little cannula that sits under the uh, that sits in the fatty part of his tissue, and the button is connected to a tube that goes back to the pump, and it stays on him all the time. Um, which is unfortunate because the um, he can't he can't really get in the pool. I mean, it makes swimming and everything like that difficult. Swimming, bathing, it affects like everything. Like you know, it's not just that he has this disease, but he's got this disease and it has like terrible treatment options. There's just not <clears throat> good. I, I think at the time there were like no FDA approved medicines for kids. I think one of them. I think there's only one now. He was already on it. But basically, like, even though it was, like, not FDA-approved for kids, it was all that they had to give them. So, you know, they just had to do it um, because that was sort of the only treatment options. But their modulin is is uh, it's awful. Um, I wish there was a – when he gets older, he may be able to switch to a, an inhaled version, but it doesn't apparently work as good. But, you know, it affects, like, you know, bats because you can't – uh, you can't get it wet. Uh, it has the potential to get infected or the wetness can cause the site to come out. Um, and sometimes the sites will, um, you know, sometimes they'll last for a few weeks. Sometimes they'll last for a day or so. Uh, it's, it's really just a mixed bag. And the thing that sucks about it is that, you know, you're basically like giving him like a shot each time you put that thing underneath the skin. So yeah. he's like been traumatized by that and uh it, it, it's awful um he's he handles it like a champ though um and it's just it's just hard like for families to deal with this disease with the with the crappy treatment options that there are um and it's kind of hard to explain without actually seeing it or uh, i guess going through it yourself but you know it sucks i mean when people ask us to go swimming like 
it's not like an easy decision for us. Like we have to think about, okay, um, what can we wrap it up into like waterproof it? And like, there's really nothing that works very well. They sell dry suits that are kind of pricey, but we may eventually invest in one, which would keep like the site dry or they have like these sleeves that can kind of like keep the water out. So it's like, you've got to, like, he just can't be a normal kid sometimes when, um, you know, he wants to go swimming yeah. or do something like that. And it, yeah. it really, really sucks. And it's just, it's hard on him. I think that's like, you know, I'll say the outsiders, the people that aren't living in your house every day. It's like, we know Jackson's sick. We know Jackson's story, but you know, like Kyle mentioned earlier, you see him, you know, he's a small group and he's running around and laughing. And it's so easy for, I think, you know, I'll say for me, but I would assume most outsiders to kind of forget what you guys are dealing with day to day. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, because people don't really know a lot about the disease, they see us and they see Jackson doing well. And Timmy will post a lot of pictures uh, on his Instagram page. And, you know, he, he looks from the outside that he's just doing just fine. But people don't realize that, like, every day is a challenge and that at any moment things could go bad. And this is kind of like the danger zone for us um, in, in this time of the year because they kind of think all it could take is, like, for Jackson to get a flu or a bad respiratory infection to throw him back in the hospital. So it's like, you know, I get I get really annoyed when people take their kids <laughs> to, like, you know, when they're sick to, like, daycares or things like that. Yeah, this is a public service announcement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't do and that. And people are like, oh, you know, he just got a little cough. I'm yeah. like, well, it's not it's a little. It's not a little cough yeah. to everybody. Yeah, Somebody's it's not a little exactly. cough. Jackson could get it, and, like, you know, we could be in the hospital for a week or longer. So, you know, it's really un- unfortunate. but um, Which you've got a whole new challenge, too, now because you got a little sister that, you know, brings germs around, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, now y'all really got a battle on your hands. To- yeah. So, Lance, he was four months old when all this happened, and he's three and a half now. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, he's three and a half. So, for three years, you've been administering these drugs, these different things. How, how has his life changed over the last three years? I mean, I remember at first he had a feeding tube in his nose. How long did he have that, and how did that change? Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, you know, it's gotten better um, managing it throughout the years because the feeding tube was awful. Um you know, when you're in the hospital at four months of age and Jackson basically missed an entire month of his life when he was in the hospital. And like, because of that, that's like a really important developmental age. Like that's around the age where you're starting to like eat solid foods and thing like that. So he missed out on that uh, because he had the breathing tube inserted and um, he was being fed through this called an NG tube. Um, a G tube is, is, is one where it actually, you know, probably a little bit more common. You, you know, people will have, I'm sorry, kids will have like a little button on their stomach. It's like a, for a feeding tube. But um, I don't really remember the, why the decision was made to do the NG tube. I guess they didn't think it was he would need it permanently. So they just had the, the one that went through his nose. And um, after he came out of the hospital, we had to do like swallow studies, like once every couple of months to see if he was swallowing correctly because if he was aspirating, they were worried that that would do damage to his lungs. So like we weren't even really allowed to feed him like normal bottles and things like that because they were worried it would do more damage to his lungs. So he had to be fed through this stupid tube and he had that thing in for almost a year until it became basically unmanageable because his nose, he was, he was in, his nose was in such bad shape. It was like, it was almost like it had corroded a part of the, I don't even know what you'd call it. Like, Septum. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, because oh, he, he was Adam. he was he was bleeding he was <laughs> bleeding Ray. a lot, <laughs> and so we were just kind of like, the hell with this, take it out, and we're gonna do a, a trial run over the weekend, and just see see how he does, and like thank God like he he did okay like he managed to take medicine and we were they were basically like watching him like a hawk because one of the concerns with pulmonary hypertension is that you will not gain weight and grow and things like that and if that happens it's kind of like a um goes hand in hand with heart failure so they were worried if he was not growing it was a sign that his heart was getting worse so like we were literally tracking and measuring like how many milliliters of milk he was taking like every feed because we had to get a certain amount in and like for a long time we we would like feed him like bottles of pediasure like while he was asleep in his crib at night because he wouldn't <laughs> he wouldn't do it like he wouldn't take the bottle like on his own. Like he was so somebody would feed me. In yeah, my sleep. <laughs> he he was so adverse to food because he missed that developmental phases because you know developmental phase because he was in the hospital, um, and he still is like averse to like touching certain foods. Like it's a texture thing with him, so it's still like a struggle. Like he has certain things he'll eat, you know, like hot dogs and pizza and pizza rolls. He likes all that stuff, but man, getting man, him to eat stuff other stuff, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm all of a sudden hungry. Yeah, it, it, it's a struggle. But, Adam, to answer your question, I mean, he's getting better, you know, like, like day by day. And we go to Vanderbilt for, like, quarterly checkups. They do um, echocardiogram on him, to, And that's kind of like a, you know, they take, like, pictures of the heart. And they're able to see how well the heart is functioning and to see if the pressure is still there. And the pressure is still there. So the medicine he's on hasn't necessarily – like made him better, but it's basically like stabilized him. And, you know, we kind of like, I think figured that out as we went along is that the medicine isn't really going to cure him, but it may prevent him from getting worse and prolong his life. So, you know, and he, he's doing great. Like the only thing that really you would notice now is he will, you know, when he's running around a lot playing, he gets short of breath. And sometimes like I've even seen like his lips get blue. Uh, but outside of that, like he just, he does like everything like a normal kid would do. I, I feel like some people may be wondering like, you know, okay, the treatment options suck. Is there anything else? Well, yes, there, there are other things you can do. Um, one of those is a lung transplant, which is, it'll solve pulmonary hypertension. It'll get rid of that for him. But they say transplants are like trading one disease for another, unfortunately. And in fact, when he was about one years old, we went out to Texas Children's Hospital in Houston because they're supposed to be one of the best centers like in the country for lung transplant. And I went out there thinking that, you know, this is going to be it. Like I was so hopeful that this is going to be like his solution. And I wanted it so badly for him. And we had to stay out there for a week so they can run all these tests on him. And the other thing about it is that they're, while they're testing Jackson, they're also looking at Timmy and I as parents to make sure that we're like responsible to handle this because they're not just going to give like an organ to anybody because there's a very strict regimen that you have to abide by in order to make sure that the uh, body doesn't reject like the new organ. Yeah. Um, so we went out there, spent a week out there and I just immediately knew in my gut after about day two or day three that this was just not for Jackson because to get listed for a lung transplant, you have to actually live in the area. So that was one thing, you know, we would have had to relocate to Houston. So, okay, you know, maybe not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. So after the, after he receives an organ and it, it may take anywhere between, who knows, three months, a year, 
maybe shorter, maybe longer to actually get a transplant. It just depends on availability for lack of better words. Um, and you know, once you get the transplant, you basically have to stay there for like probably about another six months so they can run whatever scans and, and checkups they need to do to make sure that the body is accepting the new lung. But, um, all the medicines and everything that he would have to be on in order to make the lung transplant successful. It's just, it was very overwhelming. Like we're talking like at least nine, 10 medications a day and you are literally killing your body's immune system because you're on all these immunosuppressant medications because your body has no way to defend itself. Like it, it wants to reject like foreign things. So they have to give you like this immunosuppressant medicine. So to like trick your body into like not fighting off foreign objects like it normally would. And people may say, well, you know, so, okay, all that sounds terrible, but you know, why wouldn't you want to do it? Well, the reason uh, is because of the numbers after about five years, half of lung transplant recipients need a new lung transplant. And there's not even a guarantee that we would get five years out of a lung because the lung, when you think, when the lungs, when you think about it, is like one of the most infected parts of the body because it's exposed to everything like you're breathing in. So there's a high chance of rejection or, you know, the lungs getting infected in some way. So we could roll the dice and maybe we'd get lucky and get five years out of it, or maybe things go terribly wrong. And and that has happened before. And, And unfortunately, the doctors, they, you know, I've asked them about cases like that and they don't really have any explanation for it other than, you know, it just it just didn't work out. Um, and so our, our thing was, you know, we could roll the dice with transplant and we got approved for it and everything. You know, we, we kindly said no because that, we, Was that a decision y'all both came to? Yeah, yeah we, and we both, both felt 100% confident. They told us that Jackson would need a lung transplant within a, within a year, basically, or, you know, or else kind of thing. But here we are. He's almost four years old now, and he's he's kicking ass and doing good. So I feel 100% good with, I mean, 100% confident uh, that we made the right decision at the time. I mean, who's to say what's going to happen, you know, down the road. But right now, like, we felt good about what we did for Jackson. And, you know, for some families, that may be their only option, and I totally get that. But for us, like, it just, it wasn't what we wanted for Jackson because my mind was, I mean, my my thought was, is he going to, is he going to basically live his life in a hospital? Um, Because... You know, these kids get sick all the time because they have no immune system. Right. And I was like, that's just not what I want for him. And that's a really, it was a really tough decision to make. And all I can say is, if, you know, if anybody else is facing a decision like that, you just got to go with your gut, honestly. And I think that's what we did. And I'm not saying we're ruling it out in the future. Like he, they believe he may, he, he will still need a lung transplant. We're looking into another procedure called a pot shunt, which would kind of, um, uh, relieve more pressure from his heart and may extend uh, the amount of time it takes for you know, it would it, it would basically be a bridge to lung transplant. So basically, what we're trying to do is just extend his life as long as we can, and I'm hopeful that in I don't know the next you know couple of years, maybe advances in medicine come along and there are better options for him. But I know what lung transplant looks like, and I don't like it, and neither does my wife, and we just don't think that was right for him at the time so that's why we're just kind of putting in our faith like in jackson and god and that something good is going to happen for him and you know i feel like it is i feel like it's just just a matter of time and i'm just kind of waiting on on his healing 
always uh, admire you, Lance, just the way you talk about him. I mean, you're just, I look up to you as a dad because you, mm-hmm. you believe in Jackson, you know, and you've mentioned several times, like he's a fighter and I mean, that's all what all our kids need. I mean, they need their dad to, you know, to believe in him. So, I mean, just talk a little bit about Jackson. He, you've mentioned he's a fighter. Like, how do you see that in him? Well, I see that in him because, <laughs> I mean, it goes back to the hospital. Like, when they would try to do anything to him, like even when he was sedated, like you could tell he was just – he was fighting that he would move around. And today when we try to do stuff to him, like he still is like fighting me. And it's become harder and harder to put his remodulin like sight in um, as he's gotten older because he's gotten so, so strong. You gotta and, get him out of the gym, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Too many reps. I mean, like, I, yeah, I consider myself a strong person, and I literally have to use everything I have to, like, sometimes restrain him in order for us to put this medicine on him. And so I just see like his fighting spirit every day, and like he just—he's such a good kid, and he just has a positive attitude. Um, and I just, you know, he just has that fight in him, man. Like I, you know, just—it's just kind of like a intangible quality I guess um and I just I just see it in a man and I you know I I just feel like he is everything that's good about Timmy and I he's like the best combination of it like he's you know everything that um that I want to be like he uh, you know I admire him and his strength and um he's just amazing to me and he really is like my hero um I mean just to put it just put it like that yeah because basically everybody told you Kids shouldn't be alive. Yeah. I mean, kids shouldn't be alive. They also told us that he wasn't going to be able to eat normal for years, and so we thought we were going to have to have a you know a tube down his nose or his stomach for the longest time, but he's eating normal fine. They also told us he's going to need a lung transplant, but here we are, and he's still doing fine. And you know, I'm not trying to sound like uh, doctors don't know what they're talking about or anything like that, but you know, they have to do their job and lean on, air on the side of caution. But you know, mm. I, I, I've said this before, like the one thing they just – can't account for is Jackson and his spirit and his fight and he's proven everybody wrong so far so I just keep on hoping that that you know that trend continues it's kind of two things that 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 science can't diagnose is the human spirit and and God's healing I guess is best way you could put it yeah yeah definitely so what about as Jackson's growing a couple years later Timmy gets pregnant again and, and Thea's coming along what's what is that like for for you two as you're going through that pregnancy and getting ready for this new child? Is it just are you fearful the whole time? What's what's going through your brains at that point? Yeah, I'll definitely be fearful the whole time because pregnancies have been really hard on on Timmy. Um, we should probably do something about that to make sure she doesn't get pregnant. <laughs> we could recommend a couple of things. Yeah, see, yeah. See episode two. Um, but no, yeah, definitely would be fearful, but. I mean, I think y'all all can agree being a dad is the greatest thing in the world. I felt like I, it's what I was meant to do like my whole entire life. And that's why like I'm, am so angry with, with God sometimes because I'm like, this is what my whole life was leading up to. And now you're telling me that my son's only going to be here for a short time. I'm like, no, it's not going to happen. Um, and well, in, in full disclosure, he's not telling you that. Yeah. I'm, doctors are telling you yeah, that. Yeah, doctors are telling me that. And I, and it's kind of like, I'm just, I guess my thought on it is, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing, and which is giving like everything that I have to making sure that Jackson is happy and that he's healthy and that we're giving him the medicine, everything he's supposed to be doing. Like I'm, you know, we're doing everything, 
everything we can to make sure he's he's on the right path. And I'm kind of like, God, anytime you want to step in and just <laughs> take this disease away from him, go right ahead. And I, you know, I, I believe it's going to happen. Uh, I think it's just a matter of time. But like, I still I still pray to God every day um, for healing. Uh, Jackson's birthday is July 28th. So I've got a, an alarm that goes off every day on my phone at 7:28 a.m. as just a reminder for me to pray because, like, I, I honestly have to be intentional about it because I'm so bitter about everything that I will probably forget. So I, I, uh, you know, I, I pray it's for. Bloody wasn't born in April, also. So that's <laughs> just good for you. I mean, just a little more. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, if if Timmy got pregnant, um, you know, we 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 would they would watch the baby closely. In fact, we had to go to Vanderbilt for, uh, Thea and uh, I can't remember what they call it. She was like a high risk pregnancy, mm-hmm. I guess is what they would consider yeah. it. So she, we had to go to Vanderbilt, uh, to have her watch for Thea. But crazy thing is that Thea, she's perfect. Like I, I, it's crazy. Like she is just, she's a perfect kid and she's had no like health issues or anything like that. Knock on yeah. wood. Um, but it's she could be the next Gerber baby, and it, it's like yeah, <laughs> and in, in a way, it's like I I feel so like 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 it's so unfair to Jackson. He's had to go through all of this, and Thea hasn't had to go through anything, and and um, you know I feel like sometimes he gets winded just trying to catch up with his sister running around, and I'm like it's just it's just you know it's just not fair. Um, but it's just well, we've kind of have been able to see both sides of it. Raising a child is, is hard enough, but raising one with this condition is like so much more difficult because now that we see how easy Thea's been, but of course, second child is always going to be easier too. I'm thankful that he's mine and I wouldn't have it any other way. When, you know, it first happened, I was kind of in this mode of like, I, I can't handle this. Like, why are you putting this on me? Like, I'm not strong enough for this. I can't do it. But now as I've gotten older, like I'm, I'm thankful that, that he gave Jackson to us because I know that we were the right parents for him. And if he had been in the hands of maybe some parents that weren't as caring, you know, maybe he wouldn't be here today. So I'm thankful that he's mine and I'm, you know, I'm glad that, you know, we have the opportunity to, you know, help him and try to make his life as, as happy as it can be for as long as it can be. So you know, it, it's just a, a weird change in dynamic and, and how you mature. And like I said, you don't know how strong you are until you're faced with a situation um, like that. But I'm I'm glad he's mine, and I'm unbelievably proud of him. If he ever listens to this episode, I mean, I'm could not be could not be more more proud of Jackson. Um, he knows I I love him, and an an unmeasurable amount. Um, but he is just, he's everything to me and my wife, and we just care about him so much. And like I said, we just, we pray for him every day and just hope that uh, this disease gets taken away and that he can just live a normal life. You know, that's all we want for him. Lance, y'all do a really good job of uh, documenting his life to plug his social media yeah. for us. So if you guys want to keep up with Jackson, uh, it's at Jackson Jones Journey on Instagram. It's J-A-X-O-N. Yeah. I've misspelled it. 
Thank a couple you. times. Couple times. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, my wife, she basically runs the whole thing by herself. Wait, what? And yeah, that's all. I her. thought he, I thought those were selfies of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she does an outstanding She's a job. Sharp kid. She and, does. Uh, she does a very good job with yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, you can even scroll all the way back to just kind of see like our journey through the hospital and how far he's come. I mean, he looks totally different now than he did, you know, back in the day when we started the account. Um, but yeah, if, if you, you know, want to keep up with us, we'd, we'd love for you to follow him and keep up with him and his journey. And kind of tell us more about, uh, there's some websites that can educate you more. There's also some chances to donate to pulmonary hypertension research. Kind of tell us a couple. Yeah. So, uh, phassociation.org, I believe is the main one. Um, there is something called a Barst grant and it's named after a, um, uh, PD, um, I, I guess a, um, a doctor that did pediatric pulmonary hypertension research. Um, she passed away, but the grant is in her name, and basically this grant goes directly to funding research for pediatrics. Um, so that's one of the websites you can go to if you know, you're interested in learning about more or you'd like to donate. Um, unfortunately, there's a really awesome um, event that I just missed out on telling people about because by the time this episode comes out, the event will have happened on on uh, Saturday, November 9th. It's called Run, Jonah, Run. There's a lady in Murfreesboro who, um, whose son was, they didn't know uh, he had pulmonary hypertension, and he was, I think, about 11 or 12 when he underwent the same heart catheter procedure that Jackson underwent at Vanderbilt. And unfortunately, when he went under for the heart cath, he didn't wake up. And that's the crazy thing about this disease is that things like that can happen. But they have been like unbelievable in the pH community in uh, raising money for research. Um, but the, the event they do every year is Run Jonah Run, and they also do another motorcycle event. The Run Jonah Run is like a 5K, and they do something called a Ride Jonah Ride, which is a motorcycle ride, and I forget what else they do, but that's kind of near the summertime. But I think they do those two events every year to raise money for uh, you know pH research uh so those are probably the uh, you know if you're local to the area definitely try to do one of those if you're at all interested in and uh that that website should be able to uh you should be able to locate more events on that thing and too. we'll add links in the podcast info too you can check that out yeah well lance dude thank you so much for sharing jackson's story uh we've kind of been sitting on this one for this particular month because you know we knew it was it was going to be something we wanted to talk about, and, and we appreciate you doing that. And I always prepare, try to prepare some notes to wrap up the podcast, but I didn't do that on purpose this time because I kind of want to just tell you, man, we we love you. We love your family. Um, we love Jackson. And, dude, we, you know, as I've learned, my wife's a nurse, so she really educated me more. We got to know you guys a little more about what it was and how terrible the disease is. And, you know, it was kind of a shock for me for her to educate me on it. Because when I, you know, look at Jackson, I'm like, well, it's nothing really that bad wrong. It can't yeah. be that bad. And, of course, she's educated me. And, of course, we've learned through you guys. But he was dealt a crap hand. There's no doubt about it. It's, it's the worst set of cards you could be dealt with this disease yeah. he's got. He drew a royal flush with his parents because I really believe God knew that that boy was going to need all the support he could get from his parents. And I don't know two better people that I've met then you and Timmy, uh, y'all are the two of the nicest people that I've ever come across in my life. I don't know that I've ever heard either one of you say a bad word about anybody. So y'all, your family is rock stars to me. I look up to you. Whenever I'm thinking of how I'm having a bad day and my son is just crapped all over the place and I've got to change his clothes, I'm like, man, this is the worst parent day ever. 
you have given me such perspective on life and i know you i wish that wasn't the case but whenever i think my life sucks and you know i've got probably a career change coming some things in my life that are going to rock my boat i'm like you know what it's not that big a deal really because i think about you and i think about you know like people like cameron we've had on and it's given me so much perspective on life to realize you know man there's a lot worse problems that people are dealing with than what i've got going on so i just want to say that to you man we love you and i don't know what the future holds i i do believe with all my heart that god has got something special for jackson i don't know what that is but i really believe that and no matter what comes along um just know y'all got people ready to stand with you for whatever whatever life throws at you next so uh leave you with this bible verse it's isaiah 41 10 so do not fear for i'm with you do not be dismayed for i am your god i will strengthen you and help you i will uphold you with my righteous right hand again lance we love you brother thank you for sharing your story and everybody just continue praying for jackson until next time we'll talk to you That's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. The denominators are Ryan Smith, Kyle Binkley, Daniel Knox, Lance Jones, and me, Adam Ray. Thanks to Chet Roberts for providing our music. If you like what you heard, please hit that subscribe button and tell a friend. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at CommonPod. That's C-O-M-M-E-N-P-O-D. And if you have a question or a comment for our group, or you'd like to submit an idea for a future podcast, please email us at commondenominators at gmail.com. That's C-O-M-M-E-N denominators at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.